In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Well, good day, everyone. Uh, this is Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And uh, yesterday we entered into our penitential season of Lent. Yesterday was Ash Wednesday. And uh, now we're into the season in this first week. And I hope your, your Lent is off to a good start. I hope you're all, already keeping all your Lenten pledges and promises. <laughs> uh, and uh, that the Lord will bless you and really uh, open your heart to receive everything that he wants to give you during this, this beautiful uh, season of Lent. I mean, I, you know, it, the, the thing is, the older I get, uh, the more Lent means to me. And I think that's because I realize that I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. You know, you, you get to a point where you really start to reflect on your life. And I realize, wait a minute, half my life is gone or more than half my life is gone. You know, and uh, boy, you know, and, and so I really make you think about what's really important in life. It, it starts, uh, starts to, to give you some perspective as to, you know, uh, how I'm how I'm living right now. Uh, and my journey with God, am I walking in sync with his will? Um, you know, it just, it just really makes me think a lot. Of, and Lent really puts a focus, like a, for, me, for me, in my heart, kind of a laser-sharp focus on, on all of that, which is good, which I, 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 I think that's a very good thing. Well, uh, you know, I'm here still in, um, in New York, in Uniondale, New York, on Long Island. You know, I'm at uh, Kellenberg Memorial High School, run by the Marinists priests. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit confused when I first got here because I thought, you know, the, between the Marists and the Marinists, those are two different religious orders, both, of course, devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And uh, both founded in France. In fact, both founded in the same year. <laughs> so that you to even add more to the confusion. But um, I'm having a wonderful time here. I spoke to... Um, uh, almost 1,500 kids uh, today. The, the first group was 6th through ninth grade, about 725 kids. And then 10th through 12th grade, another about 725 kids. And um, it went extremely well. You know, I tell you, so many times, you know, what, what, we, what I hear from people are, our young people are falling away from the church and, you know, they, they're getting lost in the uh, cultural, um, you'd be swept away by the cultural um, uh, constructs and uh, philosophy, of the culture, moral relativism, all of that. And, that, and that may be true. But when I come to a school like this one, or the other high schools that I've been to this year, that are really, I mean, really wearing their Catholic identity well, that are not embarrassed or ashamed of being Catholic, who are witnessing to these kids in a way that is powerful and real, giving them encounters with the living God that's going to last in the rest of their lives. You know, it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, and I, I've been speaking at a lot of high schools so far. It's only middle of February and I've done a bunch of high schools, which is, which is good. I mean, it's what God has, has, has called me to do now. And um, boy, I was so enriched and enlivened today just to see, first of all, to have that many kids pay attention the whole time. You know, I thought was was beautiful because why? Because they want to hear truth. They, they want, I I told you I, I hear this all the time, and that's what we're doing. Beacon of truth, 
to help bring people to a deeper love and intimacy with Jesus Christ by speaking the truth of the faith and love. And that's what I did for these young people today. The first talk, I talked about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Um, and uh, they, I, I, I have a bunch of kids come up after me and want to take pictures and all that kind of stuff, and they really like what I had to say. And there was one a guy there who's uh, not even Catholic. He's Anabaptist. And he said, man, I love what you had to say today. <laughs> See? But why? Because it's truth. And these kids want to hear truth. All the time I hear that. Um, so that's great. And then the second group was ninth through 12th grade. And I talked to them basically about uh, theology of the body, human sexuality, and uh, you know, I said, look, you know, you know, my the way I the way I go, I I don't pull punches. You know, I told them the truth, the beauty of the truth about uh, how they were created by God, male and female. He created not not you know fifty different genders. Um, how God uh, uses us for His glory by our bodies. So, you know, I talked about Second uh, um, Peter chapter one verse four. We are partakers in the divine nature. I talked about First Corinthians six nineteen, where our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. I talked about Genesis two nine, where uh, God breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. We have God's life flowing in us and through us. And what does that mean? And how do we live that out physically? in our body, in the relationship between body and spirit. And I gave some kind of fun examples and uh, and, uh, and even had some participation by a couple of the students, an example that I gave at the very end of the talk. So, um, and I, I think the students were edified. I've been having students literally all day coming up to me, telling me how much they, they liked the talks and how much they enjoyed it and um, how what it meant to them. And it's really beautiful to see that. Um, today is Thursday, but... Because yesterday, as, as you heard, it was uh, Ash Wednesday and um, Valentine's Day. We did a special show talking about love and sacrifice. Well, we moved Word of God Wednesday this week to today, Thursday. So grab your Bibles for Word of God Wednesday on Thursday this week. We're going to look at the readings from Ash Wednesday from yesterday. Particularly, we're going to look at Joel, of course. We're going to look at the Psalm. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and then 16 through 18 which was the gospel reading uh, for yesterday. You want to be part of the conversation? Give us a call. 833-288-3986 or email us beacon at EWTN.com. And uh, I just want to ask you again, once again, if you can pray for the pose of the soul of uh, a priest uh, uh, who was the rector in my, in my uh, dorm at Notre Dame, Holy Cross, Holy Cross Hall, where the hogs... And uh, Father Patrick Sullivan was director there all four years that, that I lived in the dorm. He was a, a mentor to me. He, he really helped me to discern as I was thinking about monastic life. And he also ended up marrying my wife and, and, and me. So um, he, I, he, found, he died. And I'm going to uh, alter my schedule a little bit um, next week so I can attend his funeral. Uh, he, he really meant that much to me. So please pray for the repose of the soul of Father Patrick Sullivan, CSC, wonderful priest. And uh, today's show, of course, is, uh, uh, is being brought to you by the Eternal Word Television Network, a global Catholic television network, EWTN Radio. And uh, this show happens because we got some great people working behind the scenes. We have our social media expert, Charles Beery. We have our call screener, Matt Kabinsky, and our producer, Ace 
McKay, Ace is in the place. How you doing today, Ace? I'm good, man. So, of course, you speaking to teens makes me wonder if now Deacon could go back and talk to teen Deacon, what would you say? Because, you know, that's what God does. He likes to put us in the place where we wish someone had mentored us or if we could mentor our younger self, which is what I love about what you're doing this week. So if you could go back and talk to teenage Deacon, what would you say? Yeah, be not afraid. Mm. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's so many times that I, I worried about things that I, that uh, well, and, and part of it was, was the responsibility of helping my mom with the family and things like that. So there is some, some heaviness burden there that, you know, uh, on a kind of teenage shoulders. And, and I worried a lot, you know? Um, and so I would say, but don't worry, God's got this, you know, really trust in him. Yes. It's difficult now, but the lessons you're going to learn from this, uh, and the, the, the stories you'll be able to share with people, um, uh, it's going to be something that God's going to use for his glory. Yeah. You know, so don't, just don't worry. Just, 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 just go with it, you know, and, but it's hard, you know, and I can see some of these kids today, you know, they, they came up to me because they can relate, you know, whether they're immigrants like I am, um, whether they had difficulties in their home, like I did, you know, they, it relates to them mm-hmm. and they can see what's possible. Yeah. You know, that they're not, they're not a product of their environment, that they can make different choices, that they can make different decisions, that they don't have to end up as a, t- a statistic. Right. That there's incredible possibilities. And uh, so just to, just to uh, uh, speak to those possibilities, to give them hope, and, and to give them the power of God. So let them know how much God loves them. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is say yes to the grace that, that uh, God has put in their life. That uh, The more they cooperate that grace, the, the, the deeper they'll be in their walk with God. Yeah, my godfather, Bill Thomas, he actually said, I adopted this phrase from him because he would look at me and go, will you just chill? Like he would talk to me just like straight. He's like, he's like, you are letting this get to you way too much. And so the just chill has become like our mantra in our house just because, you know, especially when I have teenagers in my house, I'm like, yeah, we need to just, you know, how you feeling? All right, let's go to God. You know, we're going to chill about this because we're going to trust that he's going to work things out. Exactly. And, and one of the things I told him also today was just embrace silence. Mm. You know, Amen. embrace the silence in your life. Do not be afraid of silence. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and experience God's love in your life. So today is Word of God Wednesday. So grab your Bibles. We're going to look at the readings from um, yesterday, from Ash Wednesday, particularly the gospel. Um, but of course, coming up is going to be the Psalms. We're going to look at a good one. When we come back, to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And again, I'm, I'm telling you, I will go to my grave saying this. We have the best bumper music. Coming, the bumper music is music that you go in or out of a break. And uh, we have the best bumper music. There's no question and no doubt about it. <laughs> Got to inspire. Got to get them moving, right? There you go. I love it. Well, today on Beacon of Truth, it is Word of God Wednesday. The Thursday edition mm-hmm. of Word of God Wednesday. So grab your Bibles. We're going to be taking a look at the readings from yesterday, from Ash Wednesday to beginning of Lent. 
And if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986, or email us, beacon, with a B, at EWTN.com. One of the great gift ideas for your home or for someone you know is the Stations of the Cross. we got one of the most beautiful devotions of our Catholic faith, and in that, a beautiful reproduction of the Stations are comprised in a semi-gloss vinyl print that you can actually enjoy on a mounted plate. If you want to get this, it is in the EWTN RC catalog, so available now at EWTNRC.com. Free standard shipping online for order $75 or more, and always, of course, shop Catholic when you shop EWTNRC. All right. Well, when you hear that music, you know what it means. It is time to break open the Psalms. And today we're going to look at one of my absolute favorite Psalms, which was also the Psalm for Ash Wednesday yesterday, Psalm 51. This was one written by David, and uh, so grab your Bibles, open up to Psalm 51. Again, if you're following along, you're saying, wait a minute, his translation doesn't sound like mine. That's because I'm using the Revised Grail Psalm translation. Um, this is um, put out by the Benedictine Monks of Conception Abbey and approved uh, for use at Mass by the USCCB. So these are the Psalms that we're, uh, we're going to be saying at Mass. And this is the Psalms, quite frankly, that I use to pray every day when I pray the Liturgy of the Hours. The, the, the first verse of this Psalm, because it, um, so this Psalm is in Book 2 of the Psalms, uh, 42 to 72, so 51 is in there. Um, the, the, verse, the first verse is a prescript, right? So it says, For the choir master... A psalm of David. So David wrote the psalm and then gave it to the choir master to put music to it. A psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. That's exactly what it says in the prescript. So so we know that David wrote this psalm after Nathan came to him and said that, you know, God is going to do this to you. And he and David uh, uh, said, uh, you know, he, he asked, he for God's forgiveness, he, he and Nathan said that God has put away your sin, you will not die. Again, of course, David died, we're all going to die, but he means you're not going to cut yourself off from God's life. But the child that would be born uh, is, is going to die, right? Because our sins have effects in the lives of others. And so my, my sense is that David wrote this psalm as he was, because remember, after that, he went to mourning. Uh, he wouldn't eat. He put on sackcloth, and I, I believe he wrote this psalm during that time. So it starts off in verse 3, because the first two verses are the prescript. Have mercy on me. And again, I, I use this psalm when I prepare conf- confession. So I've memorized this psalm. And as I'm standing in line to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, this is the psalm. This is what I'm preparing my heart uh, for. Have mercy on me, God, O God, according to your merciful love, has said. In Hebrew, there's the word merciful love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me completely from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Right? So he's asking, Lord, have mercy on me. Show me your merciful love. Have compassion. Blot out all the sins that I've committed. Wash me completely and cleanse me from my sin. Now, why is this important? In 1 Peter chapter 1, 
It says that if you want your sins forgiven, you must confess the sin. And in um, Leviticus chapter 5, verse 5, it also says, if you want your sin forgiven, you have to confess the sin. So both the Old Testament and the New Testament both agree that in order for sin to be forgiven, you must confess the sin. And that is exactly what David is doing here in, the, in verses 3 and 4. And he continues. See, and look, look at the honesty. See, this is what, why the sacrament of reconciliation, you have to be honest about what you did. My transgressions, David says, truly I know them. My sin is always before me. Why? Because his conscience is convicting him that what you did was wrong. We can't ignore our conscience. Our conscience has to be formed according to the truth. And so when he did that act, even he tried to cover it up. He, his conscience convicted him what he knew it was wrong. And that's what he's writing about here. My, my transgressions, truly I know that my sin is always before me against you. You alone have I sinned. What is evil in your sight, I have done. Very reminiscent of the prodigal son. Remember when he was in the pig pen and he finally realized the only person that could help me is God. He said he rehearsed in his head. What is he going to say to his father? Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Right? And David says here, again, he admits, Lord, against you, you alone have I sinned? What is evil in your sight? I have done. I did it, Lord. Yes, I'm guilty, right? We not like Adam who pushed the blame. You know that woman who you put here to be with me in the garden. She she made me eat the apple. You know, made me eat the fruit of the tree. Um, but not here. David takes responsibility, and he goes on. So you are just in your sentence, without reproach, in your judgment. See. So, so David doesn't say, you know what, Nathan told me what you're going to do, Lord. You know what, in your judgment, you are right and you are just. I may not like it, but I admit that I'm wrong. And whatever uh, punishment you deem proper to make atonement for this sin, you know, I, I'm going to accept that. And now he, he reflects, oh, in verse 7, oh, see, in guilt I was born. A sinner when my mother conceived me. Again, one of the foundations for Catholics for original sin. Yes, you delight in sincerity of heart. In secret, you teach me wisdom. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be pure. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Right? So he's asking God to, to uh, give him the cleansing, give him the healing. You know, in secret, you teach me wisdom. So wisdom is not something that's not acquired by man. It's by reflecting on the mysteries of God. That's wisdom, chokmah in Hebrew, chokmah, uh, 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 wisdom, uh, uh, right understanding is another way you can translate that. Right understanding, a proper way of understanding my relationship with you, God. And so I, that relationship, Lord, is damaged right now. And I need you with your hyssop, your, your healing balm to enter into my heart, to enter into my life and heal me. Wash me so I can be whiter than snow. Bring me back to that relationship of intimacy that I've lost now because of my sin. Verse 10, let me hear rejoicing and gladness that the bones you have crushed may exalt or uh, could be translated as thrill, you know, to, 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 to come back. Turn, a, turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my guilt, right? Let me hear rejoicing and gladness because I'm sad right now. 
I've entered into this space where I have transgressed against your holy will. And so I don't feel that joy. I don't feel that closeness to you. Um, the other day I gave a talk called The Pursuit of Happiness where I talked about in order to find true happiness in life, you must first have joy. If you don't have joy in the Lord, you can never fully find happiness. And I looked at Romans chapter 12 as a proof text for that. Um, so, so David admits this. Um, Turn away your face from my sins, blot out all my guilt. And then uh, verse 12, create a pure heart for me, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. So Lord, when you bring that healing and you, and you purify my heart, that same heart that you saw when I was a teenager, David is thinking, I'm sure, that, that same heart that you saw when I was anointed with the oil, and the Holy Spirit rushed upon me. When Samuel anointed me with the oil and the Holy Spirit, as it says in the scripture, he rushed upon me. Lord, I want that spirit in my life again. So renew that steadfast spirit within me, David says. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I love this because David is going in humility before God. Right, and sometimes we're so arrogant mm-hmm. that we think that my sin is not a big deal, or uh, I know this other person's sin is bigger than mine. God don't care what you think about other people's sins; He's going to judge you for your sins. Yeah. And David recognizes this, and he's pleading to God to return that beautiful Holy Spirit that He once had in His heart that was lost because of His sin. Well, and you know, reminding ourselves to choose the joy of what it is that God is forgiving us of, of 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 le- letting us, you know, unload that onto Him in confession and 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 in this Lenten season to realize so much of what we deal with is the fact that we don't forgive ourselves for the thing that God's already done so and and let go of. You know, if it's one thing to repent and then not return to that sin, but remember to forgive yourself. You know, sometimes the advice we give others, we forget to heed to ourselves in that moment. So stay on the joy train. Exactly right. Beautiful. He continues in verse 14, restore in me the joy of your salvation, sustain in me a willing spirit. So Lord, he said, Lord, next time I'm in a situation where I'm tempted where I'm tempted to fall away from your love, when I'm tempted to follow my own will, my own desires instead of yours, Lord, let your spirit give, allow me to be willing, willing to stay with you freely and lovingly. It, you know, and our Father says, um, uh, lead us not into temptation. Of course, God's not leading us into the temptation, to temptation. It's just kind of an older form of saying, let us not be to fall into temptation. So David is saying here, Lord, next time I'm confronted with a situation where I have to make a choice, you or my or me or myself, you know, let your Holy Spirit help me to choose you. I will teach transgressors your ways that sinners may return to you. So once you give me that Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm going to share this witness with others. I'm going to show others what happens when you go to God and you're not afraid to give yourself to him totally and completely in love. You know, beautiful. Rescue me from bloodshed, O God, God of my salvation. Then my tongue shall ring out your justice. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. You know, this is that, that line, verse 17, is also repeated in, in Psalm 70. Oh, and this is something that, um, when I, in fact, 
not just the monastery, but when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we, when we pray the first office, whether that's matins or lauds or um, office of readings or morning prayer, we start off, O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. You know, th- and we sing that, you know, sit three times. Beautiful. So when we come back, make sure you got your Bibles in your hands. We're going to break open the Word of God. Word of God Wednesday, Thursday edition. We're going to look at the readings uh, from yesterday, from Joel and from Matthew for Ash Wednesday. And if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986 or email beacon at ew10.com. into the old corral you know? yeah walk, yeah that's it walk the old corral get ready for the shootout man i like that <laughs> welcome back to beacon of truth with your host deacon harold burke sivers and uh this is the segment we're gonna break open the word of god word of god wednesday special thursday edition on beacon of truth um, and uh, again, the show is here because we have some great people working behind the scenes. Charles Beery, our social media guru, our call screener, Matt Gabinski, and Ace McKay, the producer, Ace in the Place. Of course, we want to say congratulations to a part of the EWTN radio family in Athens. Uh, of course, uh, Athens, Georgia, that is. Athens Catholic Radio at 105.7, uh, celebrating seven years this week. So congratulations to George and the team at WXPB from your friends here at EWTN. Yeah, congratulations. And thank you so much for being part of the EWTN uh, Global Catholic Radio Network. I always like meeting people from the EW10 family. Again, if you want to see where I'm going to be over the next, uh, well, for the next year or so, just go to my website, DeaconHarold.com, and click on Schedule in the page header. I'd love to meet you in person. Well, I'm sure you have your Bibles in your hand, and we're about to break open the Word of God. And uh, before we start, I want to talk about the number 40, right, because we know that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, but that number 40 shows up a lot in the Bible, right? 40 days and 40 nights in the ark, Israel 40 years in the desert, Elijah in the desert for 40 days, um, Moses on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments for 40 days, and uh, again, Jesus uh, starting his public ministry after 40 days in the desert. So the number 40 for the, our Jewish brothers and sisters is the, is the number derived from the number of gestational weeks in a pregnancy. And it symbolically represents a time of trial, testing, um, preparation, waiting. And the the biblical use of the number 40 basically has one primary um, underlying focus. It's a journey that always leads to a spiritual time of growth and change. Because after four, think about a woman that's pregnant, right? Gestational weeks in a pregnancy. It is a time of trial, her back hurting and, you know, uh, pushing on her kidneys and and internal organs, right? Uh, And testing and waiting, right? Waiting for the baby to come. But because after 40 days, weeks, years, God is going to do something, right? A time of rebirth, a time of growth, a time of change. So that's what the number 40 means. And so we, we see... In the book of uh, Joel, in the first reading, uh, it says, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, 
weeping, and mourning. Rent your hearts, not your garments. So the, the rending of garments or the tearing of garments, and, and we've, we've seen this uh, uh, several times in the scriptures, of course, like Jesus when he's on trial, and um, uh, he says, you see the Son of Man coming out with angels. They, they tear their clothes. They tear their garments. We see this also in, in, uh, in Maccabees, right? When they see their, their brothers that have fallen, they have the, the uh, idol of Jamnia inside their clothes. They, they, tear their, they, they tear and rend their garments. So the rending of garments was uh, an ancient Jewish practice of tearing clothes as a physical expression of grief or anger. Um, sometimes partic- particularly in the face of death. Um, so God, so what, what Joel, the prophet Joel is saying here is God wants more than just an outward sign of repentance, right? Tearing of clothes. He wants our hearts to be torn. He wants us to be deeply repentant and sorrowful as a sign of turning away from sin and turning back to the Father. Right? And so to rend our hearts means that we must die to ourselves and to live for God. And we heard this so beautifully from David. In, in, in the last segment, we talked about Psalm 51. That's exactly what David is doing. He's rending his heart. In fact, remember he says, create a pure heart in me, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. So the, the recognition that we have to interiorly turn back to God that we have to die to those desires that separate us from his love and return back to him. So it's not just the physical tearing of the clothes, but our hearts must be torn open. You know, uh, and, and that's such a, it's a powerful uh, yet beautiful symbol as well. So we do not um, repent and seek forgiveness in order to be rewarded by God. Look, look, God, see, I turned back. Now, where's my reward? No, we're the ones that did wrong. We, 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 we have to turn back and ask and seek forgiveness. You know, for example, we, we, we call God our loving father, which of course he is. But imagine you do something wrong as a kid and um, you repent and seek forgiveness. Your parents forgive you. Okay, where's my reward? <laughs> what? Your parents are looking at you like you're crazy. Like you got one eye. <laughs> of, course, of course they're not going to give you any reward because you just did. What you were supposed to ask for mercy and repentance. Um, so God doesn't reward us, but it's a response to Christ's call to love God and our neighbor as ourself. Right? So go back to the Jewish prayer to Shema from Deuteronomy. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? When they ask, when they ask Jesus, what is the, the greatest commandment? Jesus says, that's, that's what it is. The love God. And it's, the second one is, is like, love your neighbor as yourself. Beautiful. And when, so when we return to the Lord our God with fasting and prayer, uh, we walk in the footsteps of Christ, who is, as Joel says, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love, relenting in punishment. Right? So, God doesn't always give us what we fully deserve because what we deserve is death. But Jesus conquered death to show us that if we, if, if we have access to his mercy, if we, go, if we go to him with our hearts torn, with a spirit of, of love, again, that's what it is. You know, Lord, I love you. My sin, the actions in my life have hurt you. Lord, I am sorry with all my heart. And now I bring that heart to you to be healed. And what Joel says, he reminds us, when we do that, God is gracious and merciful. 
slow to anger, abounding in love, relenting in punishment. That's what we could come to expect uh, when we come before our Father in, in mercy and in love. You know, I can't help but think of the U2 song 40, you know, in the opening line, as I waited patiently on the Lord, uh, inclined to hear my cry, he lifts me up from the pit out of the merry clay. And then it goes on, I will sing, sing a new song. And that's really what the 40 days is. It's it's us waiting for God to work in our lives as we surrender that time to him. And then to stand back and go, whoa, because I always like for people to go, how did you how did you get through that? Or how did you get that opportunity? It's like, that's the Lord. Like you just stand back and <laughs> it's no other reason but at his hand, you know? Exactly, exactly. You know, um, and, and, and Jesus, you know, carrying forward kind of the thinking of Joel, says in, in Matthew 6, uh, take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. You know, because sometimes we do things like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get noticed, right? That's what a lot of social media is about. I'm going to do this so I can get noticed. I can get on TikTok or I can get on Instagram and I'm going to do this thing and people are going to like me and I'm going to get all these likes. I'm going to be popular. This is a temptation. Jesus says, no, don't do that. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly father. In, in other words, your, your, your praise that you're getting from all these people, that's your reward. We got to look beyond that. You know, when you give alms, he says, don't let the trumpet bef- blow the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. You know, um, they've already received their reward. Look at me. I'm about, to, I'm about to make a donation here. That's why I love when people with, with means, um, you know, make a donation for something good, for a good cause. Sometimes they stay anonymous, right? Because it's not about them. It's about the gift that they're making so that others' lives can be better. That's a beautiful thing. He goes, Jesus, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, but your father who sees in secret will repay you. That's what we should be looking for. Um, So we know, of course, that we need to pray, but let's be real. Often it's very difficult and we struggle to maintain an active and fruitful prayer life in the midst of the busyness of our everyday lives and and the challenges of the world around us. Um, We know that God calls us to live um, according to his law and his truth, but yet we struggle every day to say yes to God. We struggle to end bad habits and vices. We struggle to control our addiction and sinful desires. And sometimes our weakness overwhelms us. And that cross feels so heavy. And sometimes we buckle under its weight. Right? We go down. Yet, it's in that moment when we are down When we're on our knees, it's the Lord that lifts us up. And it's when we're not looking for Jesus that the Lord seeks and finds us. It's when, as St. Paul says, it's when we're weak, that's when Christ is strong. I love that, right? That's what St. Paul says. He goes, because Paul was afflicted with something. We don't know what it was. And he he was asking God to take it away from him. And he, and, but he realizes, is, that's why I'm content with hardships and weakness and calamity. It's when I'm weak, it's then that I am strong. Because it's in his weakness where Christ's strength builds him up. And that's something that we need to recognize, particularly as we enter this season of Lent. It's when we're down and we ask the Lord for his help, the Lord will lift us up. When we're not looking for Jesus, that's when the Lord seeks and finds us, it's like the prodigal son. He's, that's my favorite part of that. When... When he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of him. 
which means what? The father was looking for him the whole time. The father never abandoned his son. He was always looking for, for his son. And just the same way with the Lord. Seek the Lord that he may be found. Call on him that he is near. Beautiful. So Lent is a time to seek forgiveness. Right? It's a time to be open to the Holy Spirit. It's a time to, uh, to reflect on uh, the meaning and purpose of our lives. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is God's plan for my life? Like I said in the beginning, you know, now that, um, you know, as the older I get, and now I'm in my, you know, uh, 50s, I- I'm looking back at, you know, everything that's led me to this point in my life. And uh, how, how did I get here right now? And I think about where I've come from and then where I'm going. You know, Lent is a time that we build up the courage to become reconciled to God as ambassadors for Christ. And it's a time that we turn to the voice of the Lord who is seeking us, who is calling us to life, not to the acquiesce to the culture of death, but he's calling us to life. Now, for someone who's either new in their faith or really trying to discern the difference between their own inner voices and God, how would you how would you tell them to best discern that difference? Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, I would say um, seek silence. You know, we, we, we're in a culture where we're deathly afraid of silence. Mm-hmm. And it's in the silence that you hear God's voice. Right? It's in the quiet where everything else is blocked out, where you're just alone with your own thoughts and your own heart before God. And, you, and it's in that silence where you learn to listen to God's voice speaking to us. Yeah. You know, I, I would definitely say that for sure. And then also recognize that sometimes it's not, it's, it's, God may be calling you to something you don't want to do. You may be thought, well, maybe I, I think about it, but nah, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like um, Gideon, right? The Lord called Gideon uh, to, to, to lead the army against their enemies. And Gideon's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, he's trying to find excuses. I'm, I'm the, the, the least in the least of the tribes. And, and you're calling me? Yeah. You know what, Lord, I'm not sure if this is from you. So what does he do? He tests God, right? He says, um, Lord, um, when I wake up in the morning, you see that fleece outside? Well, make the dew go all around the fleece, but leave the fleece without any dew. Then, then I'll know it's from you, Lord. He wakes up, the Lord does it. Oh, okay, okay, this time, Lord, uh, <laughs> make sure the dew is only on the fleece yeah. and nowhere else. Just okay. Then I'll know it's from you. Wakes the next morning, there it is. Right? He's try- we're trying to find excuses to escape God's will because we're afraid yeah. or because it pushes us out of our comfort zone or because it's going to cause us to think, act, or live differently than how we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And that's all part of it. That's all part of the challenge of, of truly opening ourselves deeply to God's will in our lives. Beautiful. And then we talk, and then of course the psalm comes, and we talked about the psalm already with David. You know, so, um, you know, David says, What is evil in your sight I have done. So, armed with the weapons of prayer and fasting, right, we rend our hearts to show our love and dedication to Jesus, the Son of God, to show the world that our faith is a gift to be given and shared, right? So, how do, how do we do that? By the ashes we wear, by abstaining from meat on Fridays. Um, and, and, uh, and of course yesterday, Ash Wednesday, like I said, I mentioned, I think I mentioned briefly that on the plane, I got, um, upgraded 
to first class because the flight wasn't full. So I got upgraded. So I'm sitting there. And then, of course, they, because the flight was long, they served the meal. And I skipped the meal. And the, the flight attendant looked at me and said, are you sure? I said, well, yeah, I'm Catholic and it's, it's Ash Wednesday. They went, oh, 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 you know, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because everybody's thinking it's Valentine's Day, not Ash Wednesday. So that, that little sign right there of, of, of fasting, you know, giving up that meal. And, and all the things that we promise to give up for 40 days, you know, and those things that we give up are designed to empty us so that God can fill us, right? They're designed to empty our hearts of that thing that we long for and desire so that opens our hearts to be more free to desire God, right? To desire the thing that really matters the most in our life, deep, intimate relationship with God. And so it's just some small way to show our willingness to enter into and share in the sufferings of Christ, to become a living witness of the Eucharistic Lord, to truly become the person who God created us to be. Because that's really the point, that, that the laser focus um, that, that uh, Lent helps us to do, to focus on that, to be the person who God created us to be. So fasting and prayer are the most powerful spiritual combinations on earth. That's why Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. There was an expectation there. Why? Because true fasting cultivates humility and fosters alignment with God's heart. Your heart and God's heart, your will and God's will are one. Fasting cultivates that. Uh, humility. Humility is what? Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right? You think of yourself less, it opens your heart to receive more from God. Right? Uh, fasting demolishes unbelief and brings answers to prayer when nothing else worked. Remember, uh, there was the, uh, the, the young boy that was possessed by the demon and the, they couldn't cast him out. Uh, and so they said to the Jesus, why couldn't we cast this out? What's, what's the problem? And Jesus said, yes, there's only some demons that can be cast out by prayer and fasting. Right? So when nothing else works, that powerful combination of prayer and fasting, right, will work. It is, you know, it's been well said that prayer is is, is not preparation for battle. Prayer is the battle. <laughs> I think there's great I think there's great wisdom in that. And of all the things that we can do to enhance the power and the focus of our prayer, fasting is the most effective. Uh, I, I, I believe that with all my heart. The power of fasting as it relates to prayer is, at least from my life, a spiritual atomic bomb that our Lord has given to us to destroy the, the stronghold of evil and sin in our lives and usher in a great revival and a spiritual harvest. Uh, so, so I think that's the power of prayer and fasting. Well, and you even mentioned yesterday talking about how, you know, we need to testify. We need to share our experiences with God so that when we don't feel like we know how to talk about him eloquently, we can go, well, here's what I've experienced. And that, to me, that's what the 40 days is. As we're experiencing him, it's 40 days of others experiencing him and trying to make sense of it. So why not testify and go, look, I, I don't know how he's going to work in your situation. Here's how I've seen him work in mine. And to me, that immediately, that's why a deacon, I believe that's why you talk to high schoolers, is because you needed someone to talk to you when you were at that age. So now the pendulum is shifting in that direction. Our, our, as they say, and I don't know where the coined phrase is, but our mess becomes our message. 
You know, that's where I hear that often. <laughs> yeah, that that's so true. Um, you know, and and uh, I think that the bottom line for all of this prayer, fasting, reconciliation, penance, forgiveness, all these common themes that we're that we're hearing um, uh, as we focus on this time of year during Lent. The bottom line, it's really uh, coming back to a deep way to God's love, right? I mean, look, God's love is so immense. It is so limitless. God's love and its embrace is so tender and so intimate that love himself brings forth life, right? Love himself brings forth life. So God invites us through his only son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to draw deeply from that beautiful wellspring of salvation. I remember, uh, was it Psalm 42? Uh, As the deer yearns for running streams, so my soul is yearning for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for God, the God of my life. When can I enter and see the face of God? <laughs> right? Uh, so, so this beautiful, we draw deeply, we drink deeply from the wellspring of salvation. And, and whoa, I just read, was it in the in Matins of the Office of Readings? Uh, I forget um, which uh, father of the church it was. But he said, when you drink from that wellspring, drink so as to still be thirsty. <laughs> you know, he said, don't drink as to exhaust the spring. You know, drink so that you, so that, yes, your thirst in that moment is sated, but thirst so that you can thirst again. Drink so that you'll thirst again. So never exhaust that, that desire to thirst for God. And there's points in our life where he will satisfy the thirst in that moment or in this particular situation. But don't, you know, be so, don't drink so much that you'll never be thirsty again. Always leave room to be thirsting for God in our hearts. And that's why the Lord invites us in his sacraments, most especially in the blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, where he literally gives us himself body, blood, soul, divinity, really really gives us his life in that blessed sacrament. He, he invites us to unite ourselves to him in the deepest and greatest possible way. I told these teenagers this morning that the closest they will ever get to God on earth is when they receive him body, blood, soul, divinity in the Eucharist. The next time they'll be that close to God is when they're dead and they're standing before him for the particular judgment. On earth, it's the Eucharist. And in that Eucharistic union, in that Eucharistic communion that unites us not only with God, but with the entire worshiping community and with all of nature, he calls uh, us to works of mercy to show that we love him as much as he loves us. When did we see you hungry, thirsty, naked, Lord? When did we see you? When you did what you did to the least of my brethren, you did to me. So we have to learn to see Jesus in all of these beautiful aspects. Uh, and, and Lent cause us to focus on that, to see God in the person standing in front of us. So Lent is a time to unite ourselves to the cross of Christ, to offer everything we have and everything we are in loving sacrifice to our Heavenly Father. You know, I'm not a gambler. But there is a game, and I sometimes I play it on the plane because I've watched like all the movies. And so I go, okay, what games they have on here? And there's that game, Texas Hold'em. And in that game, 
you can go all in, right? You can go all in. I'll push, push all your chips in. And that's what God expects of us, to offer everything we have and everything we are in loving sacrifice. Why? Because God did it himself. Jesus did that on the cross. He gave everything for us. And if we are to follow Jesus, be his disciples, pick up our cross and follow him, as we carry our cross along the way, as our shoulders bear the burdens of this life, let us cry out to God and say without fear. Don't say like, oh, this cross is so heavy. You know, even Jesus needed help carrying his cross. Right? Simon Cyrene helped our Lord. So when, we're, when our shoulders feel heavy with the burdens of life, when that cross in our life is particularly heavy, let us cry out to God without fear and save me, Lord. Uh, as it says in um, Psalm 69, say, which we'll go through at another time. We look at the Psalm. Save me, O God, for the waters have risen to my neck. I've entered the waters of the deep and the waves overwhelm me, right? Come on. We've all been there. We're going through something so hard that we feel that we can't get through, that we're drowning in whatever has us under its weight, under its burden, whether it's a, a problem with a, with a child, whether it is something that's happening in our job, whether it's a, a relationship that we're struggling with. We've all felt overwhelmed sometimes by the heaviness of life. Yet we know, because we see this on the cross, that we know that the cross is not the end. We know that Easter will come, that there is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday, and that the Lord in his great love will turn toward us with compassion. He will open his heart and save us. And that's what we should take joy in. That's what we should take solace in. That's what we should take comfort in. That's what we should take confidence in. That our Lord calls us and saves us. So, it's great that you are here today. Join us tomorrow where we talk about the Christian checkbox. Right? And remember, you can stream today's show by visiting Podcast Central at EW10.com slash radio. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>